Welcome to Silly History, I'm Matt Pekarski. I love funny stories, especially when they come from real life. I've compiled a long list of true tales that made me laugh, and now I want to share them with you. There's a lot of crazy stuff historical figures did or said, and yet we've never heard about them. History class would have been a lot more interesting with some of these sprinkled in here and there. Not that I ever disliked learning history. Hopefully there's at least a couple of yarns you haven't heard before. Let's hear one now. When it comes to music composition, Franz Joseph Haydn is a force to be reckoned with. Born in 1732, he exhibited signs of prodigious talent right from the very start. By the age of five, he was taken to live with his cousin, a school principal and choir master, to begin his training in voice, various musical instruments, and the foundations of music. At the age of eight, he moved to Vienna to serve as a chorister at St. Peter's Cathedral, the capital's most important church. Slowly but surely, Haydn gained a wealth of experience and knowledge. He built a highly regarded reputation for compositions filled with liveliness, optimism, brilliance, and wit. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, a contemporary powerhouse, became one of his closest friends. Haydn even offered to teach music to Mozart's two infant sons, free of charge, after their father's early death. In the early 1760s, he found permanent employment under the Esterhazys, one of the wealthiest and most influential families of the Austrian Empire. By the time of his death, Haydn had personally churned out one of the greatest collections of works ever produced to this day. At the time of his passing, he wasn't even sure how many pieces he had written. Thanks to meticulous chronicling, we have a pretty good idea. There are 104 known symphonies, 84 string quartets, 50 concertos, 24 stage works, 12 masses, and a whole lot more. Compared to today's two-ish minute song and an album lasting anywhere from 35 minutes to an hour, Haydn's symphonies alone run an average of 25 minutes each. Such a mind with a natural propensity to create music doesn't come around very often, and back in Haydn's day, the brain was a thing to be deeply studied. Phrenology was the scientific, or more aptly, pseudo-scientific, study of the human skull. Renowned anatomist and physiologist Franz Josef Gall pioneered the research of connecting human personality traits to specific areas of the brain. Phrenologists would examine the physical shape of the skull and look for unique bumps or formations to pinpoint specific attributes based on comprehensive charts. One man to hear one of Gaul's many lectures was Johann Peter, a superintendent of the Royal and Imperial Prisons in Vienna. Peter believed that phrenology would help him unlock the mind of a criminal and finally understand what makes them do what they do. Peter had a myriad of test subjects at his place of work, and yet he had too many of the same kind of skull. He needed one from someone great, an unparalleled genius for comparison. But whose skull could he obtain? And then, he heard of Haydn's passing. His was the perfect specimen, exactly who Peter needed. All he had to do was wait for Haydn to be buried in his humble grave. And when he was, Peter, along with his accomplice, Josef Rosenbaum, a former secretary of the Esterhazy family, bribed the church's grave digger to let them dig up the famous composer's body and cut off his head. 
Peter brought the cranium back to his lab and completed a thorough phrenological examination. Much to his pleasure, it appeared that Haydn's head possessed a naturally formed bump that indicated musical genius. When he was finished, Peter stripped the head of its flesh down to the skull, cleaned it, and stored it away in his private collection. Eleven years passed, and no one had any idea of what had happened. Then, in 1820, Prince Nikolaus Esterhazy II ordered Haydn's body to be exhumed and given a proper funeral. The headless corpse was unearthed and the truth was out. Both Peter and Rosenbaum were caught, but they refused to give up the skull. In an effort to hold on to it, Rosenbaum went out and bought a skull from a local mortician, hoping it would trick the authorities. But they figured it out. Upon examination, they determined the skull belonged to someone far too young to be Haydn. Peter feigned innocence and apologized for the mistake. He quickly ran back out, bought another skull belonging to a man much closer to Haydn's age, and turned it in. This time, the authorities were tricked. When Rosenbaum died, he willed Haydn's skull to Peter. When Peter died, he willed it to the Vienna Conservatory of Music. His wife instead passed it on to an unnamed Viennese doctor, who in turn gave it to the Austrian Institute of Pathology and Anatomy. The institute didn't want it, so they passed it on to Vienna's Society of Friends of Music, or Gesellschaft der Musikfreund. It took another 145 years for Haydn's remains to finally be reunited. And to this day, the decoy skull is still buried along with his real head and body. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, give it a five-star rating, and share with not one but two of your friends. If I haven't told your favorite silly story from history, send me an email at nightowlbroadcasting at gmail.com. Subject, Silly History Story. This show is a Night Owl production.